The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Folding Warehouse, Ipsy, Ann Arbor. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Monday following a busy home weekend of EMU Athletics, Alex Jewell, you're still here because the wind, it certainly had a chance to blow us away, but we weathered through and persevered. Persevered. It was opening weekend for baseball, a tough series for them against what many consider a top 25 team in the country, Greg, in Ball State. They showed a lot of signs of good play, a couple of tight games. Most importantly, though, a lot of fans out at Strike Stadium. Thank you if you were one of those that made it out this weekend. It was uh, cold at times. It was windy at times. It was beautiful and sunny at times. But no matter what time or inning it was, there just seemed to be a lot of people out there. A lot of the pooches back, of course, as well. So it was good to be at home for baseball this weekend. And a lot of other sports still going on, Greg. It's spring. We keep rolling on. We know that basketball's done. Of course, we still have the Final Four for both men and women coming up. But we're just getting started in terms of the spring sports slate. And there's going to be a strong finish over the next couple of months uh, as we continue on with this calendar year. Certainly so. A tough one for EMU baseball, as we mentioned. But Uh, A lot of things to consider. The Ball State Cardinals, if you looked at the rankings today, they are the number 26 team in the country, according to College Baseball America. Eastern hung with them in game one, gave them a shot again in game number three, and had leads in both, and unfortunately not able to hold on. Yeah, couldn't hold on, uh, and there was some just some little things in each game, Greg, that really made it slip away from Eastern Michigan. But all things considered, you're four and five of the MAC. You're right in that grouping, a game or so out of that fourth place where you need to be to get into the tournament. There's a lot of baseball left. The thing is, now you have a game tomorrow at uh, Oakland, a midweek game. Sometimes those uh, are, in a way, trap. Yeah, they're they're trap games. Uh, but I think in this case for Eastern Michigan, it also can be a get right game, yep. right? Uh, and that's no disrespect to Oakland. They've got uh, eight wins on the season. They're eight and thirteen. Good program. Always tough for Eastern Michigan, uh, but. Sometimes if you're on a win streak, for example, in the MAC, you're like, oh, I don't want to go play this midweek, waste pitching, all that kind of stuff. But for the for Eastern Michigan right now on a four-game slide, still at a 10-10 and 10 record, the season's not lost or anything like that. Go out, take care of business tomorrow, get your bats going again, and then go down to Ohio for a three-game weekend set this weekend and try to get back on track versus the Bobcats team, who's been putting up a lot of runs as of late. Eagles have been putting up runs in a lot of ways. They're led by two Toledo transfers. Matt Kirk on the year continues to pound the baseball. He's hitting 377. Josh Cross, the other Toledo transfer, hitting 333. Corley Taylor also above 300. Cole Wilcox and Taylor Hopkins there as well. And Glenn Miller hitting above 300 still. So solid weekend for them offensively, solid pitching as well. Saw that uh, from Thomas House, as well as the strong back-to-back performances from Luke Russo. One in a relieving role, one in a starting role, where he strikes out eight, equaling uh, the team best in that total. Russo right now, 30 innings of work, has a 3-1 and one mark, and a nice uh, ERA of two of 3.86, but most impressively, you look at those strikeout numbers, 39 Ks, 10 base on balls. He's been really good this year. The stuff has been electric. Don't miss your chance to come out and see him and some of the baseball team uh, as early as not this weekend, but the following weekend against Miami. Easter weekend, it will be at uh, 
O-Strike Stadium. So make sure you get out and enjoy that as well. But Greg, since we last took the air, there's been some other events that have happened uh, with Eastern Michigan as well. Track and field was in Raleigh, North Carolina this past week. Thursday through Saturday, they ran at the Rally Relays, which is one of the nation's uh, most prolific track and field events each year. Seven top 10 finishes for Eastern Michigan, nine personal records. So congratulations to all those who hit those marks. You can read full recaps from the days uh, of the event on emueagles.com. Lacrosse also had a pair of matches. They welcomed Marquette in, who's a really good Big East program, on Friday and took the loss 5-18 uh, to 18 in that game. So uh, a tough one. But on Sunday, they really bounced back nicely. A one-goal loss to Butler. They lost 13-14 to 14 in Indianapolis. We mentioned what happened in baseball already. Also want to give a, a big shout-out to tennis. A tough match against Western Michigan on Friday. But, Greg, they were able to pick up a big victory yesterday over Bowling Green. They won the match 6-1. to one. So for those that don't know, tennis in college, seven points available. You play three doubles matches. Best two out of three wins you one point, And then six singles matches, all worth a point. Eastern Michigan won six points yesterday. That's their highest total in a match this season. They picked up their first MAC win. Uh, it was the first conference victory since April of last year. And I, I just want to read this so I make sure I get it correct. There's six, uh, the six-point uh, margin of victory was the best against a MAC opponent for this program since the 2018 season. And it was the best against a MAC opponent at home since 2017. So tennis right now, don't look now, 4-3 and three record. They've done a really nice job. Steve Schramm in his first year has uh, led this team to a 3-1 and one home record. So really good kudos to them. There's a lot of good things happening with the tennis program, and they deserve some shout-out for what they've been able to do. This week in store sees Eastern Michigan women's golf. They're in action right now. Down in Stockbridge, Georgia, they're at the Georgia State Invitational Bowl on Monday and Tuesday. Alex mentioned baseball uh, at Oakland on Tuesday. And then the track will be down in Austin, down at the Texas Relays this weekend. They start as early as Wednesday with some of their preliminary events. And then also go to Texas State in San Marcos as well this week. As you see then, it will also feature tennis back in Kalamazoo. Baseball, as Alex mentioned, at Ohio. And then lacrosse will be in uh, Detroit this weekend on Sunday. It's also the capper is gymnastics will be at the NCAA Regionals. Ella Shamati will wrap up her season and try to punch her tickets to the NCAA Championship this weekend in that affair. And then tennis also back at home on Sunday against Ball State. So a lighter week in terms of home events with really only one this week, but still plenty of ways for you to visit emueagles.com and follow all our teams in action because track is is just starting outdoor. Baseball starting to get in that crunch period. Uh, we know the Final Four will be this weekend, uh, but a lot of people still plenty of, of ways to get your spring fix because looking at the calendar, 62 degrees on Friday. Eagle Crest opens up uh one week from today, I know everybody's looking forward to being back outside. They are. You know, Greg, uh, as we continue on in this episode, I think one of the most misguided uh, opinions around college athletics is that compliance is no fun. And so we wanted to take a stab at changing that narrative today. So Nick Smith, the director of compliance at Eastern Michigan, he is willing to join the show and take the bullets from me. I ask him about the reputation of compliance. It's all about rule following and no fun. He's got some difference of opinion. And actually, I'll tell you, a little precursor for the interview, by the time we were done, I was pretty interested in compliance. So one of those areas we try every week to bring you student-athlete coaches or sometimes 
somebody from a different department that you may not know a lot about. Nick Smith is a great example of that because while you and I get to do things like this all the time, compliance, they do so much work behind the scenes to make sure that our student athletes, university, coaches, staff are protected. And so I'm excited to hear from Nick Smith. Nick Smith, our version of Charles Barkley. The guy has an opinion on anything and everything in a lot of ways. Yes, he does. So let's get to his opinions. We're going to take a quick time out. Then on the other side of this break, Nick Smith, Director of Compliance at Eastern Michigan, he tries to dispel the narrative that his office is the least fun in town. You already know Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan gives you access to the largest network of top doctors and hospitals. What you may not know is that with our 24-hour nurse line, online visits, whole health support, urgent care, and more, you can access the care you need whenever and wherever you need it giving you the confidence in knowing that you're covered anytime, anywhere. We're here for it all and always will be. Learn more at hereforitall.com. Well, we're back on the Eastern Insider Podcast today, and I'm pleased to be joined by Director of Compliance at Eastern Michigan, Nick Smith. And let me tell you, I think compliance gets a bad rap. Everybody thinks these guys are always the uh, the rule sticklers and the not-so-fun people on campus. But I talk to Nick all the time. We have some good laughs. Nick, thanks for joining the show. And how true is it that the compliance people are uh, the most uptight in the department? <laughs> it's good to be here, Alex. Um, uptight, I would not say... That's probably about 50-50. Um, I would say that uh, there's definitely a lot of other staff members and coaches that would probably be considered more uptight than compliance. Well, to keep you, uh, I know you're good at keeping people out of trouble. So to keep you out of trouble, I'm not going to let you name the names of coaches and staff members who you think are more uptight than you. We're going to keep that out of this conversation. Uh, let's start, before we talk a little bit about what your role is at Eastern Michigan, let's start with you specifically, because I like people who are listening in to get to know the people they're hearing from. So tell us a little bit about uh, your background, how you got into college athletics, and you're somebody that has a prior Eastern connection before you came back in this role. Yeah, so I went to Central the school up north for my undergrad. Um, when I was a junior, um, there was a couple individuals that came to our sport management um, association asking, um, you know, if anybody was interested in being an intern in compliance. At the time, I had no idea what that meant, um, but sounded interesting. And uh, me and uh, one of my great buddies who um, is now at uh, LSU in the compliance department there, we were the only two to show up. And they put us uh, to work right away. Um, enjoyed it. Um, obviously, uh, the goal is to be an athletic director someday. And this is kind of the start that kind of started my path of being in compliance and, and um, being interested in the field. Um, then I came here to Eastern uh, for my master's and graduated in 2018. Um, in the fall of 18, I went down to Eastern Kentucky University and uh, worked for there, uh, worked there for almost three years um, and then was able to come back here uh, June 1st of last year. So coming up on a year already. And um, yeah, so that's kind of my background and path of how I got into compliance and, um, you know, where I'm at right now. Okay, so let's uh, talk a little bit about the, the role itself, because I, I joked around at the start of the interview that uh, compliance is what everybody thinks is no fun and all about the rules. And it, it is about rule following in a lot of ways. But for, the, for people that may not have a background with compliance, I certainly don't. Layman's terms, what is the purpose of a compliance office in a Division One college athletic department? Yeah, it's a question we get all the time. Um, a lot of people ask, what is, what is compliance? And the easiest way, uh, I think, to describe it is um, we're here to serve 
and protect our student athletes, staff, and coaches. Um, and that's basically in the, the areas of eligibility and rules. So conference rules, uh, NCAA rules, and then same thing with eligibility, um, NCAA eligibility for student athletes. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to describe it is, um, you know, our job is to, to assist and protect um, even though sometimes it might come off as we're seeing we're the no people and we're doing it to, um, you know, obviously put ourselves as athletic department in a good situation and, and you know, make sure that we're we're all, uh, you know, doing the right things. You talk about uh, being in compliance with the rules and specifically the NCAA guidelines. Is any of your job dealing with legality as you and I have it outside of the athletic department? Or is that left to the police department, all those things? You're dealing specifically with NCAA rules. That's correct. That's correct. We're just um, athletic conference rules, NCAA rules. When it comes to legal matter matters, that's uh, the people across campus, EMU police, um, we don't get involved in those unless there's a situation that, you know, we need to be or, or a part of. Um, so, yeah, we are we are just uh, specific to athletics. So if you see Nick around in public, uh, he has no badge. You will not know that he is a, a compliance officer and know he cannot help you get out of the speeding ticket that you just got <laughs> on your way, hopefully to an Eastern Michigan sporting event so you could support our student athletes. Uh, Nick, again, we talk a lot about the rules and, and what you're doing to enforce them and to keep the athletic department in a good standing. You talked about ultimately trying to protect our student athletes, protect our coaches, protect our staff, protect our university. Uh, why, why is it important to have the people that we do in these roles um, and to protect the student athletes specifically in this case? What does that do for the department on an everyday basis? Yeah, it's important for um, each school. Obviously, our compliance staff, is, as you see across the country, are getting bigger and bigger. Um, not just at you know the group of five, but Power Five are adding more and more people because um, we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can and monitoring everything that we can to help coaches, student athletes, um, not find their their selves in a situation where. They could lose time for eligibility or anything like that. And I think that's the most important, right? Student athletes have this five-year window, well, six with COVID now, but they have a short window and um, it goes by quick. And, um, you know, it's very important that we protect them and make sure that they don't missing time or have any issues or um, if they're, str- uh, you know, if they do have issues academically, working through them to help them out. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, college goes by quick. Um the seasons roll in and roll out and we don't want them to uh, have any missed time or anything like that. We talk a lot about the student athletes and I, I talk on this podcast a lot about uh, the role that each of our departments play in that student athletes journey. A lot of our roles though, start really before the student athletes get to campus. And part of that's true with you as well. How much are you doing before a student athlete ever gets to campus to help make sure that they can get to campus? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, so our department, we, there's a lot of um, pre-work, I would call it before they arrive, whether it's stuff in the NCAA eligibility center um, to make sure they're a qualifier, which means to make sure they're eligible to compete right away. Um, amateurism, all that kind of stuff of making sure they didn't, you know, uh, play for pay before they get to college, um, emissions to make sure they get in school. So academics, 
there's tons of pre-work, uh, athletic, academically, uh, making sure they have everything set up um, before they arrive here. And, you know, let's say, we're, you know, 2023s, fall 2023s, we're already tracking them back in basically uh, the end of fall of 22. So it's almost a nine month process each year of getting them through, making sure they're eligible academically, getting them into school, making sure they have all the requirements there and um, kind of going through their checklist before they even come uh, move in onto campus. I was not somebody that uh, was blessed enough to be able to be athletic into the point where I could be a division one college athlete. A lot of people don't get that chance, but if somebody's listening that is a potential student athlete or somebody that thinks they could be a student athlete, you talk about a lot of that pre-work, a lot of those buzzwords that if I was a student athlete or if I was in high school would kind of freak me out. What are some of the things that a a prospective student athlete can be doing, um, whether they've already committed, whether they're not discovered yet? What are some of the things that those that are at home that want to be college athletes can be doing on an everyday basis to make sure it's easier to get themselves in to, to school and that time comes and so it doesn't become a headache and become an issue with eligibility. Yeah, I think the number one thing is um, reaching out to, you know, the school that you might be um, already interested in or already have kind of communications with coaches, um, reach out to the compliance department to kind of get in, um, assistance. If you don't know what the eligibility center is, um, you can always search NC eligibility center and there's kind of a what to know um, or kind of gives you kind of step by step of, you know, paying the fee, getting your official transcripts in, uh, how to request amateurism, all those kind of, I guess you call buzzwords um, that uh, can assist you with. But if you're a, a PSA and you're kind of starting your journey of, you know, getting recruited and all that, um, that I would say the NCA eligibility center is huge or reaching out to, um, you know, maybe the, the local school that you're in their compliance department to get assistance of what it means, making sure you're kind of already on top of that um, instead of rushing your senior year when you're trying to graduate high school, get into college, and then you still have to do, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, getting ahead of it and, um, you know, using those resources. The question I have gotten asked a lot in the last year and a half or two years, and it's actually probably best directed to you, is, and I know we could probably do a whole podcast on this topic, so you don't have to go into too much detail. I know there's some things you probably can't talk about, but how has name image likeness changed the role in compliance specifically? Because it, it seems like from the outside, just hearing everything you've talked about, what you do on a daily basis, there's more kids than ever that could be coming into school. There's more eligibility. There's eligibility from different schools. How has all of that changed your job? Uh, it's It's been crazy. I think that uh, name image likeness is this weird thing for us in compliance where we explain what they can do, but then we can't be involved. So um, for us, it's it's kind of like, here you go. This is all we can do. Just be aware of this. Um, here's, for example, the state law in Michigan was, you know, student athletes have seven days to report their NOI you know, contract before they enter an agreement to the university. Um, so that's really all we can do or be involved with is just educating the student athletes on the state law on, you know, whatever the NCAA comes up with, which seems to be, you know, ever changing. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where that goes, if it goes anywhere, if anything changes with name image likeness, um, if there's, I don't know, more guardrails put up or not, or, you know, they legally can or can't. So it'll be definitely interesting. Well, I always tell people, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 
NIL is one of those things that it's a, it affects an athletic department in a lot of ways, obviously, just depending on where kids are at school and, and what the student athletes are getting involved with. But for something that affects the department so much, the department really, to a lot of people's surprise, is not involved at all. It's it's really not a department thing. It's I think I hear a lot of people talking about, well, you know, X school is paying somebody so much, but that's not what's happening. It's it's deals that are being done on the outside. It's it's personal name, image, likeness deals. The university, from our side of things, is not involved at really in in those uh, negotiations or discussions. That's correct. Exactly. You you hit it right on, Alex. It's not um, anything like I said compliance is negotiating on behalf of the student athletes or athletic directors, whatever. It's literally the student athlete and maybe at that particular school, local businesses, or um, maybe their local businesses back where that student athlete's hometown is. Um, so yeah, you, I mean, you hit it right on. We're not involved um, in any way, but the education of, Hey, here's the state law. Here's what we can do. And, and that's about it. Okay. Now an area I know you're involved in though, uh, Again, as much as you can tell me, how much has the transfer portal affected your work <laughs> on an everyday basis? Yeah, that's ever changing. Um, this year, we started a new uh, transfer windows. So there's a certain day or there's a start day and an end date for the fall and spring seasons that student athletes can enter the transfer portal. Um, that has been obviously um Different in the way of, you know, a lot of coaches obviously utilizing uh, kids that are going into the portal more. So there's more stuff that, again, pre-work we have to do before that transfer even gets here, whether it's academically, whether it's admissions. Um, So it's just adding more so where um, when I first started in compliance, I'm going to sound old here, but it wasn't that long ago. But when I first started, uh, you might have, you know, on a certain team, one or two transfers and then they got to sit out the year and whatever. And it, it's not as rushed. Now everything is just so much faster. Um, there's obviously more transfers per team now, um, probably more transfers going out as well um, now than ever. And now with these new windows explaining, hey, you can't go in the portal unless you meet this certain criteria until this date. Um so it's it's really kind of just tra- um, made us busier and fat uh, rush, I would say, uh, when it comes to transfers in a way that um, in the past it wasn't. All right. Enough business talk. Uh, let's real quick before we finish up, because I've given compliance such a bad rap and I came on here and I said that you're not the fun guys and all that. Uh, tell me something about you outside of work that if uh, somebody runs into you in the community or if you're not sitting at your desk going through pages and pages of NCAA rules, what's something that you might be out doing for fun uh, when you get a little time off? Yeah, um, I'm not uh, just sitting and uh, reading the NCAA rules all day and all night, um, just in a dark room, you know, with glasses on. But um, I like to golf. Um, I'm actually, I don't think I told you this before, Alex, but I, I'm a big movie guy. Um, I like to, you know, read reviews of movies, get into them, um, find ones that, you know. Any specific genre? Um. Probably action, suspense, thrillers, stuff like that. Um, my favorite movie of all time is The Dark Knight, obviously with Heath, Heath Ledger as the Joker and Christian Bale. And that whole series is just amazing. So, um, yeah, I'm on the golf course. I'm um, obviously watching sports, I'm watching movies and that's kind of my uh, outside world a little bit. All right. It's the question that everybody's got to answer this week. Okay. We look at the final four field as we have it right now. UConn, Miami, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State. How's your bracket looking? And who do you have coming out 
and uh, hoisting that trophy on Monday night next week. <laughs> well, our bracket uh, that we uh, did in the office, obviously for fun, um, was uh, not too good. Uh, my women's side is actually pretty doing pretty good, um, but I do not have a single team in the Final Four. Um, I rolled with the Purdue Boilermakers to win it all, and they uh, and I knew it was a bad decision the minute I put them down, but. Um, for who wins it all, I mean, let's go with the Owls. The Owls came here, played us, looked very good when they played us, and, um, you know, looks like they got a good team, and let's go with the Cinderella, Florida Atlantic, to win it all. Well, Florida Atlantic played here earlier in the season. A lot of people may remember that uh, Brian Dutcher, the head coach at San Diego State, his father was the head coach here at Eastern Michigan in the late 60s, early 70s. So some Eastern Michigan connections and a good Eastern Michigan connection right here. Nick, appreciate your time on Eastern Insider. Give a little bit of light to compliance. Real quick before we let you go, last one, and I like to ask this, but we've never gotten to ask it for compliance. If somebody listens to this or if somebody's in college, kind of like you were, and they've never really heard of compliance, they don't. They don't know what it's all about. Maybe they do now. And they might be interested in figuring out how to get more involved with compliance. How do you how do you go about that? What's the best way to get involved and maybe get to the spot that you're in now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, whether it's through your sport management professors or yourself, um, you know, we we have interns. Um, that's how I started. I was an intern two years at Central. I was an intern one year at Eastern um, while I was getting my master's. And uh, it's a great way to start. So I'd say anybody that's interested in compliance, reach out to the compliance person at your school or maybe um, some professors that will be able to help you assist and see, uh, you know, if you can sit down and maybe, you know, start to learn the ins and outs of compliance in an internship. Well, let me tell you, I know that I speak for Nick when I tell you they're always looking for people to get involved and learn more about it. And you just heard him say it. He was an intern and an undergraduate at Central Michigan, and he's made it to a director spot. So just imagine <laughs> how far you can get if you're listening at home. Nick Smith, Director of Compliance at Eastern Michigan. I'm going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Greg and I wrap this episode here on the Eastern Insider Podcast. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.